Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Now, I have given up everything else, which I knew to be the only way to really know Christ. I haven't learned all I should, but I keep working towards the day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. Knowing him more and more, knowing me. Welcome to your Carl House and now, our senior pastor, Reverend Gilbert Osei. Today I begin a new series, like I did in the morning. This is a bit, it's a twist to the one from the morning, but the same topic. The title of my message for the next few weeks is How Real is Christianity? How real is Christianity? How real is Christianity? And your first point to be Christianity is a reality. Christianity is a reality, meaning Christianity is real. You can be a member of a church. You can attend church services, prayer meetings, go for crusades, revivals. But you'll be surprised that even though you attend activities, you still don't really understand Christianity. Let me give you an example. People come to your car house now and they compare to the Yaka house then. And to them, the Yaka house then was more entertaining, exciting. Because we had a wrong perception of what church is. Church is not an entertainment ground. That's why we have recreation centers and entertainment centers. National theater is built when you want to entertain yourself. Go to National Theater. But when you enter church, you come to serve God. You come to learn of God. You come to know about Christ. So you go and live your life. But when we have turned Christianity into entertainment and excitement, and because sometimes when we go for programs, crusades, we use things to attract people. We attempt to maintain the people in church by doing activities. So pastors have become creative instead of studying the Bible. Instead of studying the Bible to teach what Jesus taught us, the pastor has to be creative. So today we are doing cultural day. Next week is Yaka goes old school. The following week, dress, whatever. So because, if, and I'm telling you because I've done it before, we do those things, one, to make the church exciting, two, so the crowd will come. Can you imagine that you are a Christian and you can't be attracted with the word of God? But you have to be attracted with side attraction. And listen very carefully. You can't find such entertainment in the church, in the Bible. There is no, what are we copying? For example, I set up a restaurant and I say I'm selling jollof. And then in my service of jollof, I add granite to it 
that whilst you are waiting to be served at your love, you will be giving granite. Then people come to my restaurant that I am selling jollof to come because of granite. So that if I stop serving granite, they won't come. Then there is a problem. I had a very funny story of a church in Nigeria that they felt the services were too dull. So the pastor innovated a method of making the people excited. So they came up with a team song. So that before church service starts, shall we sing our team song? Then they all stand up. Jumbo, my son. He said, Jumbo, my son, you went to school, but you can't spell your Jumbo, my son, I sent you to school, but you don't know how to spell your name. And then they will be singing it, and people get excited and say, come to our church. Our church is fun, no? So we are raising entertainers, not people who understand scripture. So that, like, I tell somebody, it's so strange. Listen to me very carefully. It is very strange for a Christian to struggle to forgive. I'm coming again. It is very strange. You want to see, if you see something that you scream, hey! That's how strange it is when you see a Christian struggling to let go of an issue. And you know why we struggle? We have not been taught the character of Christ. So to do it, we even need prayers to be who we are. Because the church has turned into entertainment, prophetic and comedy. So that before the man of God come and prophesy, we have comedy and so, so, and so to come and entertain the people. Some years ago, we did a survey in Yaka House, the old Yaka House. What brings you to Yaka House? And people said, the worship, the song, the dancing. Then the third thing was the word. And some of them, when they are shy of you, they will say the word. I forgot the prophecy. I said, somebody, you will never find in the New Testament church, as of apostles, that people went to church for prophecy. Never. But we do. Because we don't understand Christianity. Two, in the New Testament church, nobody went to church to see a man of God. Now let me, let's get real. I said in the morning, I'm saying it again. Some years ago, maximum two years ago, my mom sent me a WhatsApp video. Like how when videos come up. And in the video, a young boy, young man, he says he's in London, sitting in one obscure room, sweating, cleaning himself. What is his problem? He just had a dream. In the dream, he saw the Archbishop Duncan Williams. In hell. And he said the dream was so real. He saw the archbishop in hell wearing suit and tie. With his big ring. And his hand was on his chin. He said when he saw his hand on his chin, he knew it was him. You know, there's a description Jesus gives about hell in the parable of the rich man and Zacchaeus. Jesus couldn't even describe the dress they were wearing. But this guy can describe and know that even in hell you can be wearing a ring. 
Common sense should have even told Christians that when you die, we come to your funeral. It is your body we come and bury. <laughs> even arm robbers go and steal. Have you heard it? Arm robbers go, go and break the, the coffin and steal the ring you are talking about. So was he wearing a ring in the spirit or in the flesh? But guess what? This is what was interesting. There was chaos in Christianity. People were afraid. People were sad. People even became judgmental. People started giving reasons why. The archbishop, a man who has accepted the death, burial, resurrection of Christ and preached the gospel for over 40 years, taking the word of God all over the world, and yet Christians believed and feared he will go to hell. When you hear such things, you should be afraid for Christianity because it depicts the ignorance in the body of Christ. Then you even hear other pastors confirming they saw it. Some even say God had already told them. Very interesting. Such things shows that Christianity is either a joke or Christianity is not real. Because if an archbishop of his level and the years of working for God, first I said, he believes in the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. He preaches it. So if he lands in hell, my brother, my sister, you are next. Know that Bohun Oyajeme is as simple as ABC. Now, note and note well. If we can't write it down, if we can't easily predict the adventure of another believer, if we can't easily predict the adventure or venture of another believer, then Christianity is not real. Let me put it in literal terms. If you hear I have died and you are not comfortably, easily knowing that Prophet Gilbert is going to heaven, then Christianity is a joke. Is somebody here? I said if we can't easily predict the destination of another believer, then Christianity is not real. Meaning if Christianity is real, it is not by prayer to know where a fellow believer will end if he departs from this planet. Am I speaking to somebody? Let me make it real. When you buy a ticket, those who sell tickets, they can be sitting at the counter, but when they issue an, a ticket to you, going to New York, J.F. Kennedy, airport in New York. They know that by is it 12 hours eh? From Kotoka to JFK. 12 hours I'm sure. 
11 hours. By 11 hours 30, you let's take it by 12 hours, they are sure to call you that you have what? Arrived. If you buy ticket on BA, going to Heathrow Airport, in six hours, you are sure that in six hours, you will be at Heathrow. Buying tickets from human beings, you are sure. Several times I've sat in plane and I sleep and I said, I know by six hours I'll be in London. I don't think twice. So if tickets can be so real that because you paid money, your destination is secured, how come what Christ did, we are not sure? It, it, it means that you even trust the surety that human beings give than the surety that God gives. Am I talking to somebody? That they are selling things, they are real to the human being. If you go to an exams hall and they give you a question, what is one plus one? You can close your eyes and even write what? Two, because you know if you write two, you will get the answer. That's how real such things are. So there are things in Christianity that even when you close your eye, the one who became born again today should know that as long as you have believed in the death, burial, of resur- and the resurrection of Christ, there are certain things I know they are constant. So are we sure of our Christian work? The moment we have doubts, it is not God who has the questions. It is us who have not come to the place of knowledge. Because everything in Christianity is real. So when you hear pastors arguing, members continuing the argument of where people will spend their eternity to the extent that they bring their ignorance to the house of God and preach in the house of God, house of God, that people in the house of God who have believed Jesus, accepted him as their Lord and personal Savior, they cast a doubt on them that they will make heaven. Please, question, is heaven a reward or a gift? We have to get to a place to understand what is real in Christianity. Heaven, so Christ, uh, heaven and all these things have been taught in a wrong way that people are fighting to make heaven. So we don't use our minds to come to conclusion. What does the Bible say about these things that are in Christianity? So that I am sure. So that when I hear a saint is going to be with the Lord, I am not worried about where they are going to spend their eternity. Not because of a dream I had, but because of what the scriptures say. Do Christians know what the scriptures say about Christianity? But if we are not consistently and properly taught the truth of the kingdom, any small thing we hear, we enter into frenzy and fear and uncertainty about this, our Christian work. So the, my duty as your pastor for the next few weeks is to bring out the truth in God's word so we look at what is real in Christianity. What are the things as a Christian I can bang on? Is somebody here? Okay. Next point, write it down. If I can agree to that vision that a certain believer was in hell, then we are all men miserable. If 
I can agree to a vision that a certain believer will end up in hell, then we are all men miserable. One time Paul was angry with the Corinthians church because of some rumors that people were sending around about the resurrection of Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14. He says, what am I hearing? Some of you are saying that the resurrection is not real. If the resurrection is not real, then we are still in our sins. Let's go. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14. Uh -huh. And if Christ be not risen. He says, if Christ is not risen. Uh -huh. Then is our preaching vain. Then is our preaching what? Vain. Listen, there are certain things in Christianity. If they are not real, there is no need going to church. Read it again. Let's go. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14. Talk to me. And if Christ be not risen. If Christ be not risen. Then is our preaching vain. Then is our preaching vain. And your faith is also vain. And your faith is what? Also vain. Your faith is also vain. Vanity. That means your faith is a joke. If a believer is doubting the validity of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, then Christianity is a joke. A lot of Christians have no faith of their own. It's sad that you're a believer and you can sit in a car or in your radio and somebody is questioning, are you sure if Jesus comes, you will go? And you are scared. It means you have no faith of your own. And the reason you have no faith of your own is that you have not been reading your Bible. Listen to me. Even if I, Prophet Gilbert, Reverend Gilbert, Pastor Gilbert, Brother Gilbert, comes to tell you, you won't go to heaven. Don't believe me. Let the word of God be your yastic. It doesn't matter who is saying it. Nobody's personality interprets the Bible. As a believer, you must know the word of God for yourself. That no matter who is saying it, you are sure of your salvation. Am I speaking to somebody? Because I don't know. We live in a generation. I don't know if it's because of the prophecy of Joel. People like dreaming by heart. Every day somebody has had a dream. And the sad thing is that they are never dreaming something good. Dream that money has come. They were all going, every day negative. Every day negative. And you know what? They, they even desire that their negative dream comes to pass. To prove to, that, to you that they saw it. What is the use of that? Next point. So it is important to go back to the truth of God's word. Christianity is a reality. Christianity is a reality. Next point. Lack of teaching of God's word. Lack of teaching of God's word in the church. And the church resulting in entertainment. All in the name of praise and worship and music. Lack of teaching of God's word. And the church resorting to entertainment all in the name of music and praise and worship. The church resorting to philosophies. 
philosophical discussions. All in the name of trying to reform people and empower them. All in the name of making church exciting. Have made a lot of people lose the reality in Christianity. Better still, such things have reduced the confidence of people in what they have in their Christian life. And because they are not taught consistently the same things, for them to have a strong conviction about what they have as believers, believers leave the Christian walk in doubt. Because Christians are not taught consistently the same things for them to have a strong conviction about what they have as believers, a lot of people don't see the realities in Christianity. Are you here? Next point. The believer's daily living is founded on the reality of his salvation. The believer's daily living is founded on the reality of his salvation. The believer's daily living is founded on the reality of his salvation. That is, your Christian work, its foundation is how real your salvation is. When you said you got saved, were you really saved? The day you were preached and you went forward or you responded to an altar call, your Christian work is based on that foundation. So that if that foundation is wrong, every step you take in Christianity is wrong. When you don't know how you got born again, you are not sure when you got born again. One of the things a lot of Christians, they can't tell you when specific they got born again. If you ask them, when, when did you get born again? He said, well, there was the first time somebody preached. I went forward though. But there was another time, ahead, that time there, I know the thing locked. <laughs> so a lot of people are not sure if you can't describe when and how you got saved, how can your Christian work? How can you find realities in your Christian work? Do you understand what it means to be saved? How were you saved? How real do you see what happened to you the day you got born again. How real do you see what happened to you the day you got born again? Romans 1.16. Romans 1.16. Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. For it is the power of God unto what? Salvation. Salvation. To everyone that believeth. To everyone that believeth. Next point. There can be no salvation outside the gospel of Christ. 
there can be no salvation outside the gospel of Christ. There can be no salvation outside the gospel of Christ. What it simply means is that nobody can be saved with any other message than the gospel. So you want to check if really you got saved the day you got saved. First question is what message were you preached? If hell is what they preached to you, you were not saved that day. Because hell is not the gospel. I, for years, I used to be called an evangelist. Evangelist Gilbert Ossetia. I went around and my message was hell. How do you preach message? Sisters, brothers and sisters, hell is real. There's a fire coming. If you don't stop your sins and come to Jesus, that fire will burn you. It's called lake of fire. Do you know lake? Lake has water. This one has fire. Has charcoal fire touched your skin before? You see how painful it is? So imagine they throw you inside a lake. That's the message I preach. And people will hear it and be afraid. They don't want to go to the lake of fire. So they come forward after. I'm giving you three minutes. By the count of five. Your time is going, you know. You may die as you are going home. And By tender by fire. You have to come by force. You know the funny story I used to tell? When I was in Opokuare, we were two guys actually that they preached to about this hell business. And I thought I got saved by the hell. My friend said he was going to break, lunch break, and when he comes, you accept. When he went, he died. He was knocked down by a car and he died. So that was my message. If you don't want to die like my friend. <laughs> but honestly, even if my friend had heard the message I had and died, he would go to hell. Because we were not preached the gospel. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? So it is not that he decided to postpone it. That message can never take him to heaven. Because what they told us, that time I was a rapper and a dancer for my hall. And when we go for, we call it Intako. Akra people call it Intako. Kumasi calls it Intako. It's two, there's a ko and a ko, depending on, or Akra, how do you call it? Is it not Intako? Say what? Intako. The Kumasi call it Intako. There is a call and a call. Co- co- seriously, anybody who going to Kumasi will tell you. So when we go, because of my small body, they will carry me up in the crowd. Then I will be leading the song. Then they will be following. So when the guys saw how popular I was, I was very popular. At that time, there was this TV show called Cheche Kule. And Cheche Kule will read letters of people who have written. When we went to the Itako, all the Louis girls, 21 letters to the guy who leads there. So we, we, we formed uh, this thing in the classroom. So, Cheche Kule, and they were reading people's letters. We were laughing at the grammar in the class. So, when the boy saw it, and he told me, if you get all the girls in this world, <laughs> I'm sure he was jealous nobody wrote him a letter. <laughs> you know, sometimes you can preach out of envy. You are telling you why I'm saying that. 
So <laughs> he saw me re- they reading the letters on my behalf. And everybody was giving me fancy. He came with this hot hell message. They didn't touch me. Oh. <laughs> the way he described the fire. I cried. I said, no. So I accepted the Lord. So when I accepted, I gave my life to Jesus. That one, I gave my life to Jesus. So when I gave my life to Jesus, bam! My next crusade ground was St. Louis to stop my other friends from going. So I also went to St. Louis. When we were doing fanfare, the Pokemon people have come. Everybody's having their girlfriend. I went to stand there. Jesus is coming! Fire! You can be holding a Louis girl and fire. <laughs> and the whole idea is that I said, boy, you know. <laughs> so even the motive for preaching was wrong. <laughs> so can you imagine if this is what the guy told me and I got, I said, I gave my life to Jesus. Yet, what we just read Paul said, the only message that carries salvation or the only message that has the potency to save is the gospel. So anybody who hears any other message than the gospel can't be saved. Is that clear? Okay, let's, let's, let me make it very simple, a very not too wise example. You are having a headache and you go and buy cough mixture. To cure headache. How can you be cured of the headache? It doesn't matter the number of bottles of the cough mixture you drink. You can never get your head, your head healed. Right? Because in the cough mixture is no potency to heal headache. The same way, the message that saves one from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God is the gospel. So any other message you preach or you were preached to, you can't be saved. So Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For the gospel is the power of God to save. Is somebody here? So I said, there can be no salvation outside the gospel of Christ. That is the ability of God to save is only in the gospel. The ability of God to save The only time God can save a soul is when the gospel is presented. So if you present, there's another way of preaching too. If you can be poor and you are suffering, come to Jesus, all your poverty, that's not the gospel. So if they preach prosperity or come to Jesus for all your problems to end, it's also not the gospel. 1 Timothy 2.4 First Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Who will have all men to be saved? God will want all men to be saved. And to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Can you read it again? First Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Uh-huh. Who will have all men to be saved? Who will have God will want every man to be saved. And to come unto the knowledge and of the And the next thing truth. is that God will want every man to come to the knowledge of what? The truth. The truth. Please write this thing now. It's important. It is also vital for every believer to know what is needed after salvation. 
It is vital for every believer to know what is needed after salvation. After you are saved, what next? Because most of the time we don't know, that's why we end up in entertainment. And the sad aspect of it is that even after somebody is saved by the gospel, we say you need deliverance. You used to go to club, eh? We have to cut their spirits in the club. Have you been sleeping and somebody was sleeping with you? You have spiritual marriage. Because people don't know what next. In fact, in this week, I'll show you what happens actually in salvation. Do you know really what happens to your soul, your body? What you become? Because people don't know. That's why after they have accepted Christ and they have the life of Christ, they go for deliverance. So what are they casting out of you? Because the life that is now inside you is not your life. So they go and cast Jesus out. You come to understand that the gospel itself is deliverance. When you understand the gospel. That is why in contest, listen, I'm saying in contest, no believer needs deliverance. The reason I'm saying in contest is that the word deliverance means different things. So when I say in contest, no believer needs deliverance. That means when you become born again, you don't need to be, you don't need or you don't require demons to be cast out of you. But a, deliver, a believer can be in a situation and will need deliverance from that situation. That's why I said in contest. In the contest of salvation, after you accept the life of Christ, you don't need to submit yourself to come out, come out, and vomit, vomit. They are always vomiting. The only thing they vomit is rice or the food they ate. And then pastors will say, whilst you're vomiting, I saw a lizard coming out of you. Is it the saliva that turned into lizard? Very strange. You see, when people see what you don't see, they can see all manner of things. They say, hey, the things that came out of me. But you, what did you see? Did you see physical lizard? What you saw was saliva. And the fufu you swallowed. That was not settled before they started hitting you. I've done deliverance for a long time. We hold your stomach in a way. So the way we hit you, sometimes if the food has not settled. <laughs> these are some of the things I say then. Some of the people, they get angry, you know. You see, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm talking to my church. So if by mistake your ears here, don't be offended. I'm not target. I'm saying me. Did I mention anybody's name? Ha! Ah, I used to do deliverance. Bro, sometimes the way they will hit <laughs> you vomit by force. And you know, okay, okay. How many of you have gone through the deliverance before? Have you ever been delivered before? Oh, be real, come on. Media Abdami, sir. Oh, you people are new, new Christians. Proper old Christians. You know, sometimes the way the pastor is hitting you, you have to just respond before so that you leave. You just will be cool. <laughs> No, uh, do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, the way they are eating your stomach, you don't vomit. <laughs> Till you vomit, they don't leave you. So when they do, they do, uh, 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 they don't say, ah, it's coming. They, uh, so that's because <laughs> some of them will be hitting your back. Or there are some who take it to another level. They even use cane. How do you cane a demon when it's a spirit? You see, there are a lot of stupidity 
All in the name of spirituality. And it's all birthed out of ignorance. So after salvation, what next? After salvation. After I receive the life of Christ. After I receive the gospel. So don't forget, we have established the fact that the only message that can make somebody saved is what? The gospel. Now let's look at what the gospel is before I go to this. So what then is the gospel? When you say the gospel, what is the gospel? I won't define or explain the gospel from my mind. Because I am not God. And God's word tells us what the gospel is. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4. So that you know. So that next time you are telling somebody about the gospel, you know. Is that okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 to 4. Hold on. Before you go there, let's go to Mark 16, 15. Jesus selling people. So when people are supposed to go out and preach, what are they supposed to preach? Mark 16, verse 15. Uh-huh. And he said unto them. And Jesus said unto the disciples. Go ye into, go all, ye the into all the world. And preach the gospel and to do every what? creature. Preach the gospel to what? Every creature. Mm-hmm. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He says, he saved. that believeth and is baptized. Shall be saved. Shall be what? shall be saved. So when you preach the gospel, the gospel is what causes people to be what? To be saved. Are we here? Are we here? Please, let's write this, then we come back again. I said, after salvation, what next? The next point you write. The plan of God for every man is twofold. The plan of God for every man is twofold. Twofold. The plan of God for every man is twofold. One is to be saved. The plan of God for every man is twofold. Twofold. One, God wants you to be saved. Two. To come to the knowledge of the truth. So while you are saved, the second thing is that he wants you to come to the knowledge of the truth. A lot of people get saved and that's it. Then they resort to entertainment, funny things. You are next on the line. You are the next billionaire in town. You will make it. I will make it. Say, I will make it. I will make it. I like the new one they are doing. Charlie. September is the ninth month. Nine is the, num- 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 the, the month of delivery. Are you a woman? <laughs> you are going to deliver your miracle. You will deliver your miracle. So nothing can happen in October. Then they will go and look for another number. Listen to me. Just let's be real. Common sense. God does not live in time. So God doesn't respond to the time. The calendar was not designed by God. A human being designed it. So how can God be operating in human design? That means man is moving God. And this is, you are saying, seven is the number for perfection. Even Jesus didn't speak English. So in his language, seven. (laughs) Seven can be a (laughs) goodie. Ah, don't you know some, some languages they even read from behind? Is it Arabic or? 
Hebrew. Most of these languages, they read from behind. You two, you are counting one, two, three. One is the number for beginning. Beginning of your breakthrough. Beginning of your next level. Ah, yeah, beginning. <laughs> it's concept. I hear me, man. It's concept. So all this numerical, look, numerology is not Christianity. Hey, numbers are significant. Today I saw a powerful one. You know, today is 1st September. So one, they said the one. And then nine is the ninth month. So it's 19 plus 19. I'm out for your mass. Hey! So it's 1919. And then we are, in, I don't know how they even got 20. You know, so 19, so 19, how did they get 20? Because now the last number, they only at 20. This is prophetical. <laughs> you know, I, could, I couldn't just think far. I was wondering how the guy got 20. And he was preaching with 20. Oh. <laughs> so, follow me before I lose my track. Hear me? So, I said the plan of God for humanity is twofold. One, to be saved. Two, to come to the knowledge of the truth. So, you don't just get saved and that's it. You have to come to the knowledge of the truth like a believer doesn't need to call God's presence. So you can see a big bishop say, silence, silence. Silence. Let's call the Spirit of God to come. Yet the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 3.16, 1 Corinthians 6.19, it says, don't you know your body is the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells there? So how are you calling? How, how do you call? And people are in frenzy. Oh, we are calling. Say your friend, hey, bro, hey, bro. And then they are using song to call God. Can you imagine? <laughs> so we have to come to the knowledge of the truth. What even beat my mind? Last week, the pastor says, God told him, do you know? I don't go to some churches. Hey, what's when I go, I'll kill them. And you know that funny thing? Where he was, was a public place with people there. Listen to what he said. Though. He said the reason God doesn't go is that he will kill them. Why will he kill them? Because there are too many sinners. Yet where he is, there are sinners there. And he has come. And God was moving. He didn't kill anybody in that place. And when he was saying, people say, deep! Hmm! <laughs> we are finding deep foolishness. Then God should never come to planet Earth. Are there not sinners on this earth? Then God, God can never come to earth. If God can't go to where sin is. Ah. And the word became flesh. And dwelled amongst us. Before Jesus died for sin. He lives amongst men. And didn't kill anybody. So when you don't know the truth. They will say things. And scare you. And because of who is saying it. You believe it. That's the problem of Christianity. And sometimes when you speak the truth, they think you are rather being rebellious. One of these negative African culture that a small child or a, a young person should keep quiet and let adults talk. Thank God it's not a biblical verse. 
So even when the adult is wrong, we listen to the error. But God's plan for humanity is two things. One, to be saved. Two, to do what? Come to the knowledge of the truth. So God wants everybody to know the truth. That's why you don't go to a church that only the pastor has a Bible. And all you do is that, amen. He reads it for you. How would you verify? But if I read, I have had people in this church. I say something when they close say, Pastor, please, you said this. Can you? Because they have Bible, they are watching. So you can't just come and create anything and come and tell people. And please, one of the gifts God gave humanity is common sense. You can use common sense to think about some things. Very, very simple. Just sometimes think about it. I did it for years, so I can't stop talking about it. Collecting people's money. How money can open the heavens? And it's sad that they use Ghana City. Ghana City to open the heavens. So heaven, they use currency. Heaven couldn't get any currency. The Ghana City, we are struggling. Dollar is dealing with it. Pound is beating it left and right. No, let me ask you, 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 human being. If I have a bag of Ghana cities and a bag of dollars, which one would you choose? So why is God sitting there and he doesn't know value? If he's looking, if he's looking for cash, what is he doing in Ghana? He's going to live in Great Britain. The pound is heavier. So he can get better money to open the keys and the doors of heaven. Ignorance is killing the body of Christ. When you read in the Bible, as of Apostles, the Bible says Simon wanted to go and buy the gift of God with money. The Bible says, Peter said, curse be you and your money. How do you think? Think you can buy the gift of God with money. Do you know what he did? He saw power. And he says, please, this is my seed. Lay hands on me so that I will get that anointing. It's exactly what we are doing in our time. Come and drop a seed under my feet. And let me release some dangerous prayer. Kadu, shelek, rek, go, go, go. You should quote that scripture to them. How do you buy the gift of God with money? He says, well, how do you think you can buy? That's the right word. I'll be getting there. Trust me. We'll deal with things for you to understand. What the Bible really says. Not what some pastors are saying for the Bible. Are you here? So then we go to Mark 16, 15 to 18. Then we come to 1 Corinthians 15, 1. Understanding what is the gospel. Mm -hmm. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 to Talk 18. Talk to me. Aha. Uh -huh. And he said unto them, Jesus said to the disciples, Go ye into, go all, ye the world, into all the world and preach the gospel to every And preach what? The gospel to every He says, creature. preach the gospel to every creature. So you don't have to preach any message but what? The gospel to every creature. And when you preach the gospel, what will happen? He that believeth and is baptized. He says, anybody who believes the gospel and is baptized shall be saved. Listen, 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 listen. I've told you, we have talked about this baptism business. So I won't go there. 
but you just see end is baptized. And we have said sometimes in the Greek, end is explanation. Because when you believe, then you are baptized into Christ. The baptism into Christ is not by water. He that believes and is baptized. The Bible says we are baptized in Christ by the word of, I think it's in Titus chapter 3, is it? Is it the Timothy? Or, don't worry, we'll get there, don't worry. As long as I'm teaching the gospel, we'll get there. I don't want to move ahead of myself. He says, he that believes and is baptized. Eh? He that believes and is baptized eh? shall be saved. Shall be what? Saved. Shall be what? Saved. So the moment you believe, you are what? So twice we have heard that believing causes salvation. We are finding what is real in Christianity. That means in Christianity, when you believe the gospel, you are what? Saved. There is no other requirements to it. Don't add. Not when you receive and you live a holy life. He didn't say that. So don't add to it. Does it mean living right is wrong? No. But it is not a requirement for salvation. I'm coming again. I'm saying, he didn't say, he that believes and lives a holy life and prays three hours and fasts for 14 days and pays his tithe shall be saved. No. All these things are mentioned. Are they wrong? No. They are not wrong, but they are not requirement for you to be saved. So don't add it for the requirement for salvation. The moment you do that, you are adding to God's word. He says, he that believes the gospel shall be what? Saved. So if somebody wants to be saved, he must believe what? The gospel. Very simple. Are you understand what I'm saying? So it's important we know the accurate truth. But the moment, you know, there are other things I want to say. Hey, are you saying that? So when you become a Christian, you can live anyhow. I didn't say you can live anyhow. I said for salvation, according to the Bible, the only thing you need is the gospel and you doing what? Believing the gospel. In the previous week, in the coming week, we'll teach how long will this salvation last? Can you lose it? But he that believeth not shall He says, be he that believeth not in the gospel is the one that is what? Condemned. Co and these signs shall follow them. Then he starts to list to you benefits of you becoming a believer. He says one. In my name shall they cast out In devils. my name you cast out devils. He didn't say they will cast devils from you. Co they shall speak with new tongues. So every believer must speak in tongues. It's a benefit of Christianity. It's not for senior pastors. It's not for special people. He says, they, those who believe, they shall speak. That means when you believe, the ability to speak is given. The only reason you are not speaking is that you have not been properly taught. We'll go there. Come. They shall take up serpents. They will take up serpents and it will not harm them. And if they drink any deadly, and if they drink any deadly poison, it shall not hurt them. It will not hurt them. They shall lay hands they on shall the sick. They shall do what? Can we read it together? They shall do what? Lay hands on the sick. And what will happen to the sick? And they shall recover. He didn't say, and pastors will lay hands. Did he say, and bishop will lay hands? And prophet will lay hands? 
Meaning that if you come to the right knowledge of Christianity, anybody can lay hands on a sick person and the sick person will get their healing. So that you don't go and buy miracle water. Healing was made available to anybody that believes. The reason why you have not prayed for somebody to be healed is that you were not told you can heal. He didn't say, and when you believe and you pray very hard and you fast, then you get an anointing called healing anointing. And then when that healing anointing comes upon you, and every day you make sure that your hand doesn't touch anything bad, then when somebody sick and you lay your hands, no. He says these signs will accompany your believing. So the moment you become a believer, it is part of you. It's like a package. I buy a phone and inside the case of the phone is a hearing device. Inside the phone box is the charging device. It comes with it. You don't buy a phone and go and buy battery. No. So these are things that is normal with a believer. I'm saying it is very important. So when a believer doesn't have these things, it's abnormal. So if a believer doesn't speak in tongues, it's abnormal. If a believer doesn't heal the sick, it's abnormal. I didn't say if a pastor doesn't heal the sick, a believer. And one of the things that does not help Christianity is pastors love people coming to them. So they won't tell you what you can do. Because the more you go to them with their problems, the more settlement follows. You don't go to the prophet empty-handed. And you know what? That scripture was by an unbeliever. Yet pastors, we use it more than any scripture. You don't visit a prophet empty-handed. Where's your prophetic seed? Your seed will open a door for you, my brother. There are some great things coming your way. But your seed. Listen, that's why I say sometimes use common sense. Saw, saw, saw. Everybody say saw. His father's donkeys were missing. And they were looking for the donkeys they couldn't find. Then they entered the city. And then his servant said, there is a seer in this town. Let's go and inquire of him. Then Saul said, I don't have anything to go and see. Is it, is it Saul who said or the servant? Let me check it. Is it the servant? Let's read it. So you know it is not God who said Anybody that quotes you, the Bible says, Jesus or God never gave an instruction that when you go and see a prophet, go with money. Jesus met nobody and took money from them. Yet Jesus healed the sick. He never took offering from anybody. So if it is a requirement by Jesus, then we follow it. You can't question it. But this is it's, it's, it's a circumcisional conversation. They were going sometimes and say, oh, how we do it? Said, I don't have anything on you. Hey, they say, hey, we don't go to the prophet empty-handed. Then let's look for something and go and give to the prophet. As simple as that. Pastors have turned it into one way to meet God. My student, have you seen it? First Samuel 9.9. Read it, let's go. Let's be clear, we are learning. First Samuel chapter 9, verse 9. Mm -hmm. Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, Come, let us go to the seer. 
For he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer. Then said Saul to his servant, Well said, come, let us go. So they went unto the city where the man of God was. And as they went up the hill to the city, they found young maidens going out to draw water. Please, are you sure it's the right verse? Uh-huh. From verse 7, rather. Verse 7. Then said Saul to his servant, mm-hmm. But behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man? That the is it. He says, if you go, maybe go one step backwards or verse something. Six. And he said unto them, Behold Sis. now. Uh-huh. Behold now, mm-hmm. there is in this city a man of God. There is in this city a man of God. And he is an honorable man. And he is an honorable man. All that he saith, everything he says comes to pass. To pass. Uh-huh. Now let us go thither. Mm-hmm. Peradventure, he can show us. Peradventure, peradventure, he will show us the way where the donkeys are. Uh-huh. Then said Saul to his servant. Then said Saul to his servant. But behold, if we go. But what if shall, we go, what, what shall, shall we, we give? It's not a requirement. It is Saul who was asking his servant. Okay, you are saying he's a man who can see. If we go, what are we going to give him? For the bread is spent in our vessel. Because everything we have, we have eaten it. And there's not a present to bring to the man of God. And there's, no, there's not a present to bring to the man of God. What have we? And the servant answered Saul again and said, Behold, I have here at hand the fourth part of a shekel of silver. Have you seen? So if you don't take care, they will make it a requirement like this is something you have to do. It is a question Saul asks. It's not a requirement from God that nobody goes to see a man of God with his empty hand. When you were coming, what did you bring from? It's not a requirement. There's nothing wrong with deciding to go and give a man of God a gift. But it is not a requirement. Let's go back to our... Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 to 4. Mm-hmm. Moreover, brethren... Moreover, brethren... I declare unto you the gospel which I preached I unto declared you, unto you the gospel which I preached unto you... Which also ye have which received... Which also ye have received... And wherein ye stand... Wherein you do what? Ye stand. So we, uh, we, we receive the gospel and we stand in the gospel. We don't move from the gospel. Because... By which also ye are saved. It is the gospel that made you saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, mm-hmm. unless ye have believed in vain. Uh-huh. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I received. I delivered unto you first of all that which I received. How that Christ died for our sins. How that Christ died for our sins. So the gospel number one is how that Christ died for our sins. The gospel is one, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. So when I am preaching the gospel, I don't tell people sin. I tell them what Christ did to sin. So instead of describing you have been smoking, you have been drinking, I tell you Christ died for every sin. The wages of sin was death, but the gift of God was eternal life. Is somebody here? So we preach that Christ died for sin. 
John 1, 29, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Paul said, according to the scriptures. What scriptures? Like Isaiah 53, from verse 4, he says, The chastisement of our sin was upon him. He was bruised for our iniquity. So you tell them what Christ has done to sin. You preach what Christ has done to sin. So first part of the gospel is what Christ has done to sin. Eh? And that he was buried. And that he was buried. And Hear me? Redemption didn't finish on the cross like people said. On the cross of Calvary he finished it all. That's a wrong teaching. If it finished on the cross, there was no need for him to be buried. Then why did he wait for three days? For what? Are you here? It didn't end on the cross. It rather began on the cross. And the three days is significant. Don't forget, Jesus went to Hades when he was buried and died. He has to die. If he didn't die, there is no payment for sin. He has to die. So Jesus died. He died. And they made sure he didn't die one day. So that you think he collapsed. They died and they embalmed his body. On the third day, they were going to put more embalmment. They have even forgotten he said he will arise in three days. It's when they got there and they saw the tomb was empty. So, and that he was buried. The next thing was that. Continue. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he rose again the third day according to what? The scriptures. Now, his resurrection is for our justification. His death is to pay for the sin. Then he has to make you have a right standing with God. That's why he resurrected. Very importantly, I'll be going there, if not next week, next two weeks. Jesus didn't resurrect in the spiritual. The physical body was not there. The body they went to bury in the tomb. Fortunately for us, for evidence sake, they didn't used to do Ghana one, where they dig floor and dip you inside. They had a tomb with a stone. So it was a room they had put a stone. And when they went, his physical body, they left there. Not that his body was lying down, but his spirit was out of it. No. It's one of the things that proves and justifies and sustains our salvation. That Jesus resurrected with his body. When I get to redemption, I'll teach you that the blood he shared that with you, we think is... What are like, you know, the liquid blood. No, 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 no. The blood is his life that is alive. That is why when Mary Magdalene saw him, he said, touch me not. I have not appeared to your God and my God. He was not holding blood in his hand to go and show to the Father. He was taking his resurrected body. That is the blood. We'll be going there. We'll be going there. It's in our series. So you understand, because you say, wow, you do know what? You have been a Christian all this way. You don't even understand why he died. It's not your fault. What your teacher can't teach you, he doesn't teach you. How would you know? Two days ago, I was talking to my son. I said, how did you get this wrong? He said, my teacher didn't teach me. 
If they didn't teach you, you will get it wrong. If you had taught me, I will get it wrong. I say yes. Do you understand what I'm saying? But we are not. So instead of I being taught the significance of his blood, the significance of his death, the significance of his resurrection, 14 steps to succeed. One, watch your connection. You don't need church to know these things. Watch your association. Association equals access. Access equals, then they are speaking grammar. And then people are saved. They don't even know what Jesus did. So salvation, they are not sure. They are worried. Hey, what Jesus can, what will I do? What you are not taught, you won't know. That's why the church is strictly for Christ. And Christ's message. Because if I, I want to train you in Christ, I don't use economics to train you in Christ. Christ was not an economist. Even though he was a carpenter, he never gave one statement on wood. So it's, it's sad what pastors we are doing. Jesus the carpenter, father carpenter, he himself. Jesus was a carpenter, you don't know. It's not only his father was a carpenter, he himself. It's in the Bible. Jesus was a carpenter. The last time he was, he said, ah, are you not a carpenter? He was a carpenter. Yet, he never said. Wood <laughs> is one of the most significant things. You know, sometimes, Pastor, we can say some very sweet things. It sounds very nice. I've said it before because I heard somebody say it. Because God knew. Tell somebody it's intentional. I want you to say it's intentional. Everything that happens to you is intentional. You see, God knew that Jesus would die on a wood. That's why he didn't make his father a fisherman, but a carpenter. So he would steady the wood. If he had steadied the wood, how would the steadies of the wood do to them beating him on the cross? But we say, wow, that's the papa. No, seriously. If Jesus steadied the wood, Upon all the standing of the wood, he couldn't carry it. <laughs> the guy carries the thing, he will fall down. He will rise up. He couldn't. He had to call for somebody to help him. I thought when the centurion said, Brother Jesus, can I help you? He said, hey, is it your cross? Mind your business. <laughs> Remy, with your, all this, your macho, you want to come and hold it? Go, go. I'll cut it. When Jesus felt the man held it, Jesus didn't say anything, no. say, easy, Master, stop that. But no, seriously, I used to believe that God, in his wisdom, knew intentionally that Jesus would die on the wood. So he made his father. A carpenter. So he studied wood. <laughs> Today I stand here and I'm like, so all the studies. Kobo PhD in wood, what benefits? Why did he scream when they were beating him? Forget it. Are you here? So the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection. And also the ascension. 
into the right hand of the Father. Because if he doesn't live in you, there was no need for his dying. He didn't just die for fun. The promise of the Father to humanity, lo, I'm with you. God going to live in humanity is part of the message. Are you with me? Next point. The gospel is the message of God's grace. The gospel is the message of God's grace. So God's plan is one, salvation. The second one is we coming to knowledge. So the message of the gospel is God's grace. Next point. The gospel demonstrates the love of God. The gospel, it demonstrates the love of God. So you can't preach the gospel and somebody is scared. That's why I told somebody, what Pastor Chris said something that was so profound. It's only in Africa and our places. When we preach, people cry and come to the altar. Yet in the Bible, when they preach, the Bible says their hearts were filled with joy. Because it's what you are hearing. Everybody close your eyes. Where were you last night? <laughs> if you know you have been sinning. So what they tell you, they tell you to make you feel how bad you are. You know, be crying where you go cry. Because regret, no, no. To them, repent is regret. So that if you don't cry, they won't see that you really mean you want to give your life to Jesus. So you are coming, oh, to Jesus. I shall Oh, Radin, you know my heart. The good I want to do, I can't do. It's the bad I don't want to do. In sin did my mother begot me. I remember one guy. He would drink, ah, uh, where are you going to talk to your sofa? Me, you're <laughs> Are you here? I said the gospel demonstrates the love of God, his actions through Christ Jesus to us. The gospel, it demonstrates the love of God. His actions through Christ Jesus to us. So it's very unfortunate how people paint the God we serve. They paint God as a very wicked guy. But the gospel shows us God's character. Romans 5, 8. The character of God. Ah. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Mm -hmm. But God commended his love He says God us. demonstrated his love towards us. In that while we were yet... In sin, that whilst we were perpetually rebellious... Christ died for us. Christ did what? Died for us. Not that somebody changed for Christ to die. Whilst we were still sinners. So the love of God is not shown to perfect people. 
The love of God is shown in imperfection. In that whilst we were still in our sins is when Christ died. So Christ forgives you before you repent. Write it for free. Christ doesn't wait for you to repent before he forgives you. He forgives you before you repent. Is somebody here? Next point. The message of grace is the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus for sins. And it is received by faith. The message of grace is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for sin. And it is only received by faith. The message of God's grace, unmerited favor, what God has done in Christ, is only received by faith. And it is what demonstrates God's love. You want to know God's heartbeat? See it in what he did in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 to 8. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 to 8. Everybody open and listen and let it sink in your heart. And hath raised us up together. He says he has raised us up together with Christ. And made us sit together. And he has made us to sit together. In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come. That in the ages to come. He might show the exceeding riches of his grace. He will show the exceeding riches of his grace. In his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. His kindness is towards us through who? Christ Jesus. Talk to me. For by grace are ye saved. For by what? Grace. For by what? So man is saved by what? Grace. Not by your works. You are not saved by your perfection. You are saved by an unmerited favor. Uh, for by grace you are saved. Through faith. It is coming through what? Faith. Uh -huh. And that not of yourself. It is not what? Of yourself. It is not of yourself. It is the gift of God. It is what? The gift of so God. So salvation has got nothing to do with you. You don't play a part in salvation. Salvation is not a teamwork between God and humanity. God is the only person who did the work of saving. And the only thing we do is to receive what he has done. He says, it is not of yourself. Right? Can you read that again? It's beautiful. For by grace are ye saved. For by faith. grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It is not of what? Yourself. So yourself is not part of this salvation. The moment you bring yourself in salvation, you are missing the concept of salvation and the concept of Christianity. And the moment you miss the concept of salvation, every step you take in Christianity is wrong. That's why people keep going to the altar to give their life to Jesus. They are rededicating. Where did you find that? You rededicate your life to Jesus. Are you a church builder? It's because of what you are told. Salvation has got nothing to do with what? Yourself. He says what? It is the gift of God. It is what? The gift of so God. So tell somebody salvation is a gift of God. Any gift is something you don't work for. 
If you give me a gift that I will pay for, it's not a gift. If I do something and you give me something, it's a reward. But salvation is not a reward of prayer. It's not a reward of doing right. It's not a reward of living right. Salvation is a gift of God. He says, it's not of yourself, least any man should what? So for you not to say you are better than me, God made sure that nobody contributed to salvation. So in Christianity, nobody is better than anybody. Like a pastor would say, Ote, in Christianity, nobody is better than anybody. I hope that is clear. In salvation, nobody is better than anybody. Write it this way. Salvation is through faith in the gospel. It requires no man's work or effort. Salvation is through faith in the gospel. It requires no man's work or effort because it is a gift of God. Salvation is through faith in the gospel. It requires no man's work or effort because it is the gift of God. The reason it doesn't require your effort or your work is because it's a gift. If it was not a gift, it will require your work and your effort. Romans 10, 8 to 10. I'm trying to run up. Romans chapter 10, verse 8 to 10. But what sayeth it? He says, but what sayeth it? The word is near thee. The word is near thee. Even in thy mouth. The word is in your mouth. And in thy heart. And it's also in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So when I come and preach to you that Jesus died for your sins, and I preach to you that he resurrected for your justification, the word comes to your heart. And then it's in your mouth. Uh-huh. That if thou shalt confess So if I say it and you believe what I just said. All you need to do is what? Confess with your what? Thy mouth the Lord Jesus. What do you confess? The Lord Jesus. You don't confess your sins. To be saved, you don't confess your sins. Please write it so you tell somebody. You don't confess your sins to be saved. It is not a biblical requirement. It is a pastoral requirement. Pastors have added their own version. And they ask you, if you want to be saved, come and confess your sins. We don't confess sins to be saved. We confess the Lordship of Jesus to be saved. He says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. You confess the Lordship of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And shall believe in thine heart that God had raised him from And the if dead. you believe in your heart that God has what? Raised, raised him, him from, from the, the dead. dead Thou shalt be saved. Thou shalt be what? Saved. So a man is saved when he believes in his heart and he confesses with his mouth. Ten. For with the heart man believeth He says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So he says confession is made unto what? And what do we confess? The Lordship of Jesus. Remember the thief on the cross? Of Calvary with Jesus. One said if you are the Lord. Save yourself and save us. But the other one says Lord. So he confessed what? The Lordship of Jesus. And then he says. 
remember me in where? Your kingdom. If you tell me to remember you in my kingdom when we are going to die, it means you believe I will what? Resurrect. So if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you confess the lordship of Jesus, you are saved. So Jesus said, this day you will be with me where? In paradise. He didn't say this day. As you are now born again, remember to pay 10%. (laughs) Are you hearing me? So salvation is believing in your heart and what? Confessing with your mouth. I hope that is clear. Salvation is to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead. Let's do Romans 10, 11 to 13. Romans chapter 10, verse 11 to 13. Mm-hmm. For the scripture saith, mm-hmm. whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. He says, the scripture says, whoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. It's the same as shall not perish. Mm? For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Uh-huh. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Mm-hmm. For whosoever call, for whosoever shall call upon the name. He says, of the "Whosoever Lord, shall call upon what the name of the Lord, the name of the Lord shall be saved." So it implies that you can write it. It implies that salvation is received by whosoever acknowledges the lordship of Christ. This implies that whoever salvation. It implies that salvation is received by whosoever acknowledges the lordship of Christ. That is, when a man believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth, he is saved. There is no other requirement for a man to fulfill. There is no other requirement for a man to fulfill or any other way to be saved. There is no other requirement for salvation. Don't forget it. It doesn't matter what anybody is saying. There is no other requirement for a man to fulfill or any other way to be saved. When a man receives the gift of salvation, he is called a believer. There is no other requirement for salvation. Let me end by saying this. Salvation is not giving your life to Jesus. Because you don't give your life to Jesus. Because when you are a sinner, you are dead. Ephesians 2, 5 says it. We were dead in our sins. So you can't have a life. A dead person doesn't have a life. Ephesians 2, 1 also says it. You who were dead in your sins and trespasses has he quicken us. So salvation is not giving your life to Jesus. Because no sinner has life. A sinner is dead. is spiritual death. That's why when God said to Adam, the day you disobey my word and eat the fruit, and eat the, the fruit of the tree or whatever he ate, you shall surely die. Adam was walking in the garden, but he was dead. He was dead spiritually. So everybody that is living in sin is dead. 
So in salvation, you don't give your life. In salvation, you receive the life of Christ. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave. God is the giver in salvation. You are the receiver. Romans 8, 32, he that spared not his son, but delivered him freely for us. So God gives, we receive. When you get that concept wrong, your Christianity will be wrong. So people think they gave their life. They gave their life. So because I gave my life, what I did, if I do otherwise, I lose my salvation. You don't lose salvation because you didn't give your life. Jesus gave his life. You receive. John 1.12, he came unto his own, his own receiving. As, as many as receive him, to them he gave. God is the giver at salvation. Never forget it. Number two, salvation is not believing in God. There are people who believe in God, but they are not saved. Believing in God does not equal to salvation. Believing in God, James 2, 19. Believing in God is not strange. Even idol worshippers, Muslims, they believe in a God. James chapter 2, verse 19. James 2, 19. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou believest there is one God. Thou dost well. Why are there? The devils also believe. <laughs> so believing in God is not it. It's believing in Jesus. Believing in what? In Jesus. There is only one name that a man can be saved. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Or Acts 12 4. Which of them? 4 12. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. There is only one name given on it. Start from 13. It will make sense. Acts chapter 4 verse 13. 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John mm -hmm. and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had that they had been with Jesus. That they have been with Jesus, 14. And beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they, they could oh. say... It's 11 and 12, sorry. Acts chapter 4, 11 and 12. Acts chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Mm -hmm. Neither is there salvation in any Neither other. is there salvation in any other. For there is one... There is one... For there is none, one, oh, there is none other name under For the there heavens. is none other name... Under the heavens. Under the heavens. Given among men. Given amongst men. Whereby we must be saved. Whereby we must be saved. It is only Jesus that you can be saved. 1 Timothy 2, 5. There is only one mediator between God and man. And it's the man Jesus. There is only one mediator. So any other person through which you are getting saved is an error. John 14, 6 to 8. And then we are done for today. To be continued 
next week. John chapter 14, verse 6 to 8. Mm -hmm. Jesus saith unto him, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and what? The life. What again? No man cometh, no unto, man the cometh unto the Father, but by me. But what? By me. Nobody goes to God but through Christ. Jesus didn't say, I am a way, I am a truth, I am a life. No, he was absolute. He said, I am the way. Are you hearing me? He's absolute about who he is. So Jesus is not a truth speaker. Jesus is not a life giver. Jesus is not a way shower. He is the way. He is the truth. He is what? The life. Next point. Your acquaintance with Jesus is the same as your acquaintance with the Father. The acquaintance you have with Jesus is the acquaintance you have with the Father. Why? Continue from verse, verse seven. seven. If ye had known me, if you have known me, ye should have known you my should father know also. my Father also. And from henceforth, and from henceforth Ye know him. You know who? Him. You know the father. Then Philip said. And have seen him. And you have seen him. Philip saith unto him. Philip said unto him. Lord. Lord. Show, show us, us the, the father. father so that it might suffice us. us. Jesus then Jesus said unto, unto Philip. Philip. Have, have I, I been, been so long with you. That you asked me to show you the father. Don't you know. That when you see me. You have seen the father. So I said your acquaintance with Jesus is your acquaintance with the Father. Your knowledge about Jesus is your knowledge about God. You don't know Jesus separately and go and know God differently. Whatever you know about Jesus is what you know about God. Because Jesus is the explanation of God. The life you have of Jesus is the life of God. The life you have of Jesus is the life of God. Very important, very important. Christianity is a relationship and a fellowship with God found only in Christ Jesus. Christianity is a relationship and a fellowship with God found only in Christ Jesus. So you can't find Christianity in any other person. You can't have any relationship with God aside Jesus. It's impossible. Is somebody here? Next point. God will only relate with a man on the basis of Jesus. God will only relate to a man on the basis of Jesus. So without God, without Jesus, you don't have a relationship with God. Ah, this one is good. There is no personal relationship you have with God. You don't know the covenant between me and God. Nobody has a covenant with God. There is nobody with a personal relationship with God. People think the old covenant is the same as the new covenant. In the old covenant, it was shadows and pictures. God was showing us what was going to come. So in the old covenant, God even had a covenant with the people of Israel. The whole people. 
And before the covenant, God was having personal relationship with people, Abraham and all those people. But in the new covenant, Jesus is the only person who has a relationship with God. So that song should stop from a Christian. Covenant keeping God. Stop that. God has no covenant with anybody. Nobody is special to God. Me, I am special to God, I know. Oh, Mali, you are deceiving yourself. So stop bringing your boyfriend's appellation on Jesus. Darling Jesus. Darling Jesus. Oh, my darling Jesus. You are wonderful, God. I love you so. You are thinking of Kokume yourself. Get away. Stop wasting your breath. The name Jesus doesn't need any adjective. Sweet, sweet Jesus. How can Jesus be bitter? Is it the sweet you put in front of him that makes him sweet? Forget it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Nobody has a personal relationship with God so that we go through you to God. There's nothing like that. We all have the same access to God. If we are racing to God, we all reach the same time. There's nobody has a highway to God. Like one interesting prophet in East Africa, he says he has God's direct phone number. <laughs> See, ignorance will make people do things. So. Like somebody said, he had a dream. And the Lord said, oh, Kwame. No, he's in Nigeria, so he can't be Kwame. He says, God said, how come you were drinking tea and you didn't invite me? The Lord said to him, prepare my tea. So I can't believe the guy took Lipton <laughs> and put hot water, added ideal milk. And he said the Lord came to drink tea. And people were believing he had tea with God. What mouth did God use to drink that? Sometimes ignorance and then we jump to it. How can God be drinking tea? Why, 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 why tea? He doesn't like college. God, how? All the milk in this world. I do, pa. And then people are believing all this nonsense. There's no personal relationship you have with God. There's nothing personal about our relationship with God. There is nothing about it that makes you different from another. There is nothing about Christianity that makes you different from another Christian. Nothing. You are not more righteous. You are not more powerful. You are not more God's child than anybody. It's a deception. We all were saved by one blood. The same amount of blood that saved you is the same amount that saved me. Is that clear? So there's no, as for me, when I enter my room and I kneel down, you are just scaring people with Kokwana's story. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the truth. Let me end on this. 
Okay, so Jesus, okay, please write this this way. The only person known to God, the only person known to God with a unique and distinct relationship with God is Jesus. The only person known to God, the only person who, when you ask God, you say, I have a special relationship, is Jesus. The only person known to God with a personal, unique, distinct relationship with God is Jesus. And whatever we have with Jesus is what we have with God. So Christianity is not what you do, not what you are trying to do. Christianity is what Christ has done. Christianity is not what you do, not what you are trying to act. Christianity is what Christ has done. Christianity is not what you do. It's not what you are trying to act. Christianity is what Christ has done. Without Christ's death, burial, resurrection, there is no Christianity. So what makes us Christians is what he did, not what you do. So you are not a better Christian by what you are doing. You are a Christian by virtue of what he did. Is somebody here? So if adventure, you have an experience, you have an encounter, and you have a knowledge somewhere in your soul, or you have something that is embedded in your personality, outside of this relationship God has with us through Christ, you are walking in deception. You are walking a lie. The minute you get salvation wrong, your work as a believer is on a wrong note. So it's important you understand what happened. He gave his life. You receive his life. So when I come to Christ, it's all about what he has done. And what I have become. So in Christ we don't boast about ourselves. We are all depending on his finished work. Welcome to Christianity. God bless you. This was a message from the General Overseer of Yakal House. Reverend Gilbert Osei. We are available anytime for prayer, support and counseling. Please don't hesitate to call us on 0544-600-600. That's 0544-600-600. We love you and there's nothing you can do about it.